0: That's heritageradionetwork.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Look, Chava, a check from La Luna Mescal de Michoacan. Wow, Lou, what are we going to do with that? We're going to strap ourselves in for another episode of Agave Road Trip brought to you by La Luna Mescal de Michoacan. This is Lou Bank. This is Chava Perivan. And we are Agave Road Trip. Here we are for our, I don't know, seventh, eighth, ninth, whatever it is episode. Um, And we are here to talk to you today about what you do after you've distilled your agave spirit. Drink it. Yes, you absolutely (laughs) drink it. The question is, when do you drink it? And what do you do between the time that you've distilled it and you're drinking it? Well, I guess most of people are like most people that consume this
2: don't really have a choice they get this bottled right they they are
1: they don't have a choice in terms of like uh, there's uh, always uh, a choice java the world is full of choices what we you you're suggesting that somehow this is being forced on us like we live in a communist country no, no, I'm not saying that. All
2: I'm saying is like, you buy your bottle and somebody decided for you how that bottle is going to exist. But
1: you've decided which bottle to get. And in this particular case, <laughs> the pertinent point is, did you buy a bottle of joven, unaged mezcal? Or did you buy an anejo or reposado, something that was aged in wood? Or did you buy something that was aged in glass? Did you buy something that was aged in clay? The likelihood is. You actually did buy something that was aged in plastic. Given what we've seen in in Mexico, right? And uh, this is the ultimate contentious theme. Which, it really? Well,
2: well, it's amongst
1: the most contentious. Yes.
2: Yeah, because and and, and I and I will guilt just charged will be one of the greatest defendants of hoven only. I do only. <laughs> I will only drink clear agave spirits. And I guess my logic behind it is like it took so long for the agave to exist. It was. Like, to, to go to maturity, it like, it was such a hard process to make it.
1: Right, and there's so much of this human expression in it.
2: And it has, like, such a unique flavor profile. Why would you try to add anything else to it?
1: Yeah, you know, I actually, I thought it was blasphemy to age Mescal in wood. And then what happened? And then I had an epiphany, Chava. My, did, my that happen? Fair- <laughs> <laughs> did that happen in Durango, maybe? <laughs> uh, well, you know, Durango was a part of it, but it, it started before them. But for sure, in Durango, meeting um, more people who are making these spirits uh, that, and aging them uh, and hearing their stories about why they're aging them changed my view. So one of the guys that uh, that changed my view is Mariano Vasquez. Mariano has a, uh, a mezcal brand that's not currently being uh, exported from Mexico. Uh, it's called Solo Dios. Only God. Only God. And he is in Llano Grande, Durango. And uh, hey, why don't we cut to the tape that we made with him in January of 2020? Great. My great-grandfather was a mezcalero in nombre de Dios. The pictures we have from him, he transports the mezcal in barrels. He didn't mean to age it, but it was the only way to transport Mezcal. So it probably went from an añejo, or not an añejo, but probably a reposado or probably it worked as an añejo. I really don't know because he stopped doing mezcal. He stopped being a mezcal producer and then it was gone. Okay, so there you go. In in essence, how I hear Mariano, um, uh, he's saying that it wasn't necessarily intentionally aged in wood. But it was aged in wood. And if you think about these processes now that you see where they're they're aging rum on ships so that you get the rocking motion, which actually accelerates the aging, while he's saying it's only really reposado, it's only rested. You know, I'd contend when you're walking around on these mountains and you've got these barrels strapped to the side of a donkey, like that's got to be crazier than a ship. And also the weather in
2: Durango, just the crazy differences yeah. of hot to super cold. When we were there, we were freezing. The room they gave us had no <laughs> added heat to we it. Had, we
1: had to spoon. There was a lot of spooning.
2: And then when you woke up, you're just saying, like, there's two types of water, cold and colder, <laughs> in case you want to take a shower.
1: <laughs> so we suffered for our reposado mezcal. We
2: did, but it was nice, though, you know. And I think to Mariana's point, we were talking that, about that when we are there. We're all trashed by then. It was our last day in Durango. You were trashed. I was in. I was tired. Okay. And fine. we were sitting in the sofa in front of a in, in a oh. beautiful <laughs> house in front of a. Grand uh, fireplace.
1: Marble fireplace.
2: After eating gorditas. Yeah. And God, that reposado felt amazing.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I used to be so just morally opposed to the, the barrel aging. and And then I realized, like, A, there actually is a tradition of it, right? B, who the hell am I to tell somebody that what they are drinking is the wrong thing to drink? And even if it's not accurate, and I think that's the biggest complaint... What is accuracy in the mezcal world, anyways? Right, yeah, fair enough. Somebody told me the Tohonas, uh didn't actually come into being until like 1978. And distillation? Right, yeah, <laughs> fair, very fair. Oh, the, uh, that was the year two, I think. Right. Anyway, okay, so I think that covers it for barrel aging. You got anything else you want to add to that? Nope, I'm happy with what we have. Beautiful. So let's move on to our next segment, uh, what are we doing? We're doing, uh, oh, our other singular objective. We're going to talk tortillas. Talk tortillas. Probably the thing that I'm most interested in when it comes down
2: to Mexican food. Hey I out. think you can come to the best, and it, it's a very, very normal mistake. You go to this super fancy restaurant, they have amazing food, Everything's going great, and then the moment of truth comes. You <laughs> open the tortilla <laughs> container, you hold that thing, and it doesn't weigh what it has to weigh. It, it doesn't, doesn't weigh what it has to yeah, weigh. Yeah, it has to be a heavy one.
1: The tortilla. Each, each tortilla needs to have some
2: mass. Yes, it, ne- it needs to tell you I am here, and you are gonna eat me. If you hold a tortilla and it doesn't have the proper weight, it, it doesn't feel right to me. That's that's
1: interesting. I've never even noticed the weight. You know, the, like for me, I would even say that I'm not great at tasting tortillas. <laughs> I I mean that. Like I I recognize when I have a bad tortilla, and I don't. I rarely notice it when I have a good tortilla. Okay, this is heresy. I understand. Uh, I'll like,
2: I, I, I never come in the same room.
1: <laughs> but but what I do love about the tortillas is that you've got so many of these chefs now who are focusing on trying to preserve these these artisanal strains of maize of corn, right? That are that are starting to go extinct because of all of these uh, these uh, uh, Monsanto um, GMOs. And I think one of my favorite
2: experiences while living in Oaxaca was that you could go to any little fondita and then you'll crack open the, the tortilla container and you'll have multiple colors of tortillas.
1: Right. Which you is know, all the like, different corns. Exactly. And yeah. it was
2: just the natural way to do it because you know you had a lot of diversity. Yeah. Like there like were like Mexico at, itself. Yeah, like you know, families are not perfect. You'll have your brownish yeah. kid, your <laughs> <laughs> all that stuff. I kind of
1: <laughs> think the brownish kid is perfect. I would like to think the same, there but
2: you uh, but you know, like you have a lot of diversity and flavors too, and, and, and textures, and it was an explosion of diversity there in your tortilla space and somehow that's not happened. That's not the most common thing these days.
1: So we're going to put a link on our webpage to some places you can go in Mexico to experience some of these more traditionally made tortillas. And some of the newer
2: stuff, as you're saying, like some of these new chefs that I think are doing some great things and God bless them because we need that as we need them in the Mezcal world. And we're about to drink And Lou is already dropping, breaking the, dropping the copitas
1: She's way too excited Yeah, I am This is a funny copita that uh, that my friend Rachel made f- Oh, God, there is something in that uh, my friend Rachel made for me That looks like uh, the copita has a stand So it looks like a tooth
2: Yes, and it looks marvelous And I think we should go to our next
1: segment now That we have a, f- <laughs> that, that we f- have a full cup Amen <laughs> I'm going to get the big one um, so what we're drinking today is from La Luna, Mescal. and my friends at La Luna have a, uh, a nice cocktail expression that is uh, a cupriata out of Michoacan, uh, and it's really nice. Um, and, and when I say a cocktail expression, what I mean is they've priced it at a, a point that it makes sense for bartenders to use it to make cocktails. Um, but it's remarkably good as a standalone spirit as well. But they've just released this line, and by just like we're, we're now sitting here in February of 2020, um, they've just released this line of single agave expressions out of Michoacan, and this is their Tequilana. And and I love this. Why do I love this, Chava? You're laughing. You know why I love because this? Because
2: every time I've talked to you and you've been around someone that it's a tequila fan, and they ask you, "Hey Lou, do you like tequila?" You're Answer in a inequivocally
1: is I don't care about tequila. I don't care about <laughs> tequila. I I've I've tasted one or two tequilas that I like. And um I have tasted plenty of tequilas that I like. I, and I get that. That's fair. But to me, this this demonstrates all the reasons why I don't generally like tequila. This is such a rich expression. And and because they've processed the blue Weber agave, the tequila on agave, um process it in the same way that they would process their traditional mezcal or uh, their artisanal mezcal rather at la luna um i think you taste more i think it's like as any mexican i have profound
2: traumas with the taste of tequila i couldn't drink you tequila profound traumas of course i puked that thing <laughs> <laughs> left Yo, the, and oh, right yeah oh like, come on uh, and yeah, that's only because you're a mexican man if you'd met <laughs> me in my 20s in new york well correct but you know what i mean like I, i could not drink tequila from my since I went 17 to probably 25, yeah. just because like all my 15th, 16th years, I, I I drank way too much. and this one it's remarkably good because it doesn't have that traumatizing smell that tequila has, which I, I these days I appreciate but <laughs> <laughs> in in some cases. Yeah, yeah. But, but this thing is just wonderfully balanced and complex and exciting. And if somebody were to tell you that this has
1: nothing to do with the world of tequila, you will definitely believe them. Right there, you go. So, uh, I think we're going to wrap that for this issue as we drink our way out of this edition of Agave Road Trip. Road trippers, if uh, if you want to try what we're tasting. Go to La Luna Mescal, I guess. Just, you know, go to our website. We'll have a link to La Luna's page. But I'm sure you can find this in uh, California, New York, Chicago, Texas. All the major cities. All the major cities. And we don't care about any city that isn't major. <laughs> I think <laughs> you can actually order this stuff as well from like Old Town Tequila. One I of those mail order places. I don't live I in
2: the United States of America, Lou. I have Fair no enough. idea.
1: <laughs> okay. Uh, so we'll catch up with you all on our next episode, which is our wrap of season one. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Mine's bigger than yours. Hey. This has been Gavi
2: Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders learn about Agave Spirits. The hosts are Lubang and Chava Periban, sound engineering by Roy Sierra, theme song performed by Gabriel Oliveira and Mark Rico. Become a road tripper and listen to more episodes at gabberroadtrip.net. Distributed by Heritage Radio Network, the best network in the world for podcasts about food, drink, and agriculture.
1: So I feel weird, Chava, because the episode that all of our road trippers just listened to was recorded well before we had La Luna Mezcal de Michoacan signed on as the sponsor for this podcast series. Uh, But there we are, right in the middle of it, praising one of their uh, beautiful Mezcal expressions. So what do we do now for this ad ad? After the episode, well, Lou, I do think
2: it's a no-brainer. Uh, I would love to talk about their Bruto expression, which is one of my personal favorites, and I still remember the first time I encountered it, and it has kept quite a special place in my heart since then.
1: You know, you you had a beautiful anecdote about Bruto that I want to hear in
2: this commercial. Well, I was just confused about the name, right? Bruto means brute, like brute force. And I couldn't understand it until I tried it, and it was like the Hulk of the agave spirits just walking into your mouth and uh, breaking everything and being great
0: and
1: awesome. Okay, so if you are into angry mezcals, you'll want to check out the Bruto from La Luna at LalunaMescal.com. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you.